Discover FX's Shogun, the official podcast available now. Every legend begins with a story. Listen and explore episode by episode the story of war, passion, and power set in feudal Japan. Join host Emily Yoshida each week with the creators, cast, and crew in this exclusive companion podcast. They dive deep into the twists and turns of the plot, go behind the scenes, and explore the real-life history that informed the limited series based on James Clavell's best-selling novel. Search FX's Shogun wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Alienware. During Dell Tech Fest, score game-changing innovations with limited-time deals on select next-gen Alienware gaming tech. New dimensions await with advanced gaming systems like the Alienware M18 laptop powered by an Intel Core i9 processor. Featuring awe-inspiring visuals, liquid cooling, three-dimensional audio with Dolby Atmos, and impressive overclocking potential. Your dream setup, amazing prices, and free shipping await you for a limited time only at Alienware.com. That's Alienware.com slash deals. Tax season is approaching, bringing potential extra cash your way. Rather than spending it all on an expensive deal filled with yada yada from your current wireless plan, consider switching to Metro by T-Mobile for no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada you don't take yada yada in life don't take yada yada from your wireless provider metro by t-mobile has no contracts no credit checks no surprises and nada yada yada stop by one of over six thousand metro stores nationwide are you ready to move your career forward make your comeback with purdue global and get college credit for your work school life or military experiences with these credits you may have already completed up to 75 percent of your undergraduate degree you've worked hard to get where you are it's time to get the recognition you deserve and earn a degree you'll be proud of one that employers will trust and respect when you take the next step in your life and career make it count with purdue global purdue's online university for working adults start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We're joined, as always, with our super producer, Alexis, codenamed Doc Holiday Jackson. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. It's the top of the week, fellow conspiracy realist, which means it is time for some strange news. If you have jumped in, spoiler-free, with no idea what we're going to talk about, there may be any number of uh, potential news pieces you think will hit. Uh, There are spies speaking out against the Saudi Arabian government. That's one. Things are going nuts again in Sudan. That's two. Uh, There are no shortages, of course, scams, debates over legal personhood, promises made and forgotten by politicians of every stripe in every country. In short, uh, oh, and then further studies came out and said, yes, the world is burning down faster than we thought. And we're watching it happen as the United States again gets hit by like six storms at once. And yes. we're all just collectively that cartoon dog watching all of this and sitting in our little kitchen table saying everything's fine. That's what we are. 
I may be a different breed of dog than <laughs> due to the nihilism, but but yeah, fine means a lot of things. Here we go, folks. It is it is time yet again for strange news. We've got some stories on the very edge of technology. We've got some stories on the very edge of the future of identity as well, I would say. And then we have a story that is... <laughs> A new twist on something very old, and you may see my colleagues and I uh, take our cynicism out and drive it around the block, because that one, oh boy, you just can't trust people. And maybe that's where our first story starts, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the old, the good old-fashioned grift. Uh, before I get into the griftiness of it all, let's just see how this sounds to everybody. What if there were a food delivery service that, wait for it, it would rival Uber Eats or or if you're in Europe, uh, something called uh, Deliveroo, I believe is what it's called. Uh, but you could pay using your cryptocurrency holdings without having to convert it to uh, fiat currency. So, you know, while you're like earning interest from your crypto investments, you can literally just tie that to, um, you know, a, a food delivery service and pay with a fraction of a Bitcoin or a Litecoin or a you know, Ethereum. Sounds pretty cool, right? seems like, you know, people that are in that space are looking for ways. I mean, it's not the easiest thing in the world to spend. Uh, it's more of something that you hold on to or hodl, as they say in the in the crypto sphere. Um, but like, it's not the easiest thing to spend on like, you know, goods and services yet in the United States. So this seems like a great idea uh, to me. Um, but as it turns out, this whole idea uh, is an elaborate ruse an elaborate grift, uh, Crypto Eats, um, very uh, originally titled, um, was, you know, put out a, a proper press release claiming to have raised like $8 million in Series A funding, which is the kind of talk investors like to hear. Um, they, you know, had events around this brand where they like, you know, had all of these delivery vehicles like on display. They hired, you know, TikTok influencers this is a UK thing, TikTok influencers from the UK to basically pimp out this brand. And, and just in case anyone's not familiar, the way um, some of these crypto projects work is you buy a coin. They mint this coin, you know, in, in the blockchain that's verified by the blockchain. Um, and you're essentially investing in a project by investing in that coin. Oftentimes, um, it's, it's them trying to raise capital, you know, to, to do the thing. But you usually get some sort of fringe benefits for investing in the coin. Like in this case, they were promising 5% off all orders uh, for holders of the token. So essentially, like a token is a, um, let's say, let's call it proprietary crypto coin. Uh, the ones that fail are often called coins because there's no nothing backing them. But in these kind of uh, niche crypto spaces, you know, people are always looking for the next big crypto project. That's exactly what this was. So you have these, uh, you know, these influencers on TikTok saying, oh, yeah, the, the crypto eats going to be the next big thing. Invest in it now. Uh, it goes, you know, for sale on the market on the 1st of October. Get in while it's hot. It's going to be the next big, you know, brand. It's going to be a, you know, a competitor for Uber Eats. Um, and, you know, people that were watching this saw it uh, rise and rise and rise until they had uh, amassed about a half a million dollars um, in selling these tokens. And then the creators of this did what's called a rug pull, where they essentially uh, all of the information surrounding this um, this brand was entirely fabricated. Um, they claimed to have partnerships with Nando's, which is a very popular 
um, like Perry Perry Chicken franchise, very popular in the UK. There's a few in, in the in the states, but it's mainly a big UK thing. And McDonald's, um, they had this event. You know, this influencer showed up. All of these influencers, you know, pumping this price up for this coin, and then they just vanished. They just ghosted with five hundred thousand pounds of investors' money. Um, and that's 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 really the story. I mean, while you know the crypto space is super interesting and there's a lot of neat things that are happening because it's sort of like the wild west, that also means that there's not a lot of regulation and there's nothing to protect people from literally losing everything uh, to a scam. The, the 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 CEO supposedly a guy with a very innocuous name, Wade Phillips, total fabrication, not a real human being. Um, it even was like pictured in the press release, like purportedly this this like this cool looking young hip dude with tattoos holding a latte, Wade Phillips, not a real guy. Um, yeah, and so no recourse, you know, for these folks because even though these transactions are traceable, you know, on the blockchain, um, there's nothing anyone can do. This is the the risk you run when you invest in these types of projects. So I don't know, guys. Ethically, I mean, obviously this is trash behavior. Uh, is it sort of like a, you should have known better? Is this taking advantage of people that are, uh, you know, not um, seasoned? Uh, is this just part and parcel of this new kind of technology? I, just quickly, I would say there are people who are probably perceived as ripe victims, right, that exist sure. here because there is such interest. And as you said, it is it is such a new realm to get into if you've got money to invest. Uh, it's messed up, but I... I'm kind of impressed in an, in a morbid way with how much they did to pull this thing off right to to create so much of a ruse there uh, to get this thing going to have an actual physical like launch party with some celebrities you know there's this bouncer guy I don't know his name but uh, there's a bouncer here Ooh. who had like a DJ Charlie Sloth yeah yeah, yeah. who yeah. you know went to a physical thing and they had they had actual delivery like mm-hmm. machinery outside <laughs> and uh, their, their official logo, their swag, all that stuff. It's just, I don't know. There's something genius about that in a messed up way. Sure. All the communication is online, save for that, uh, that physical event. Right. So mm-hmm. uh, it seems like in a way, the, Unless an investigation reveals something else, it seems that the folks who were touting this fake service were also getting getting taken for a bath here or getting taken for a ride. I would say there are more things like this occurring. This hit the news because it is a it is a scam based on a legitimate service. But think of all the people who got ripped off in Bitcoin scams on the dark web, for instance. You can't very well go to law enforcement and say, these guys screwed me out of so much opium, right? So in this case, there's a higher than average chance of someone uh, attempting to at least take legal action. But where, how far can you trace the breadcrumbs here. I would I would note, and I've said this before, that intelligence agencies at some level have a very high likelihood of being able to learn more about Bitcoin transactions than is being revealed to the public. But will they do that? 
I don't know, because they're, that would mean that they are showing their hand uh, and might lose some of their opportunities for uh, future covert actions. And that's something right. we run into a lot with classified stuff, uh, with, um, with covert operations, and with, as we'll see in a little while, classified files in general. I do want to point out, I'm going to soapbox here. I'm going to soapbox just for a second. There's also a good argument to be made that things like DoorDash, Grubhub, and Uber Eats are themselves, <laughs> on some level, scamming uh, various parties involved. Some restaurants get screwed over by them, and uh, some of the drivers often have really terrible times, but they are, at the end of the day, getting some sort of compensation, some kind of money, which these folks did not. Yeah, I mean, they, they put out a proper press release, like through the appropriate channels that other big tech companies use to break news. Uh, it's actually still up in a couple spots since right. some, some have, have pulled it down or replaced it with like, you know, follow ups about the scam. But it honestly hasn't really broken the news widely. And, and this uh, this this uh, press release, it reads super legit. When you pair this, the language in this with the party and, and the influencers and all of that taken at face value, I mean, like I could see being taken in by this, even if you're a bit of a pro, right? Um, because they're certainly much more uh, risky and um, fly-by-night type um, crypto projects. Like I once a friend of mine, I, a, a friend I love dearly who was so obsessed with the crypto stuff, he got me into the, it's called the Binance Smart Chain. It's like a sort of little... I guess subnet kind of, of of the blockchain. You have to convert, you know, crypto to a different type of, of format, essentially. It's called BEP30 or something like that. I don't know if I quite got that right. But that's where you invest in all these projects. So there are all these tokens with names like, you know, Fog and, uh, you know, like Cub. And um, there was one called Gator that I was messing with. And then there was one called Jazz. And my friend, a friend of his, who's, who's really, you know, made a lot of money in this space. And I full disclosure, have not, and very much just in it for kind of a little fun, got me investing in this jazz token. And it just like tanked. It went down to like a fraction of a penny. And the way these these work is they people pump them up. You know, there's buzz on the internet and that's what drives up the price. 100%. Um, but what this also shows is the shallowness and kind of hollow lack of accountability of influencer culture. You know, I mean, these, these folks just like took the money and, and wore the damn T-shirt and the hat and held up the bag as if it were a real thing. And sure, were they scammed as well? Were they taken for a ride maybe as much as the investors? Yeah, you could argue maybe yes. But also, I wouldn't put on a T-shirt and promote something that didn't even exist, especially if it was to pump up a cryptocurrency that I was probably also being paid in. Uh, it's a super huge conflict of interest. And I think a lot of the folks that do things like this should maybe think better of it because if they're trying to have successful brand partnerships, you know, and then all of a sudden they're seen as being, you know, I'll do whatever to the highest bidder, even if it's bullshit, that's probably going to make their stock tank, you know, as influencers. So it's something to think about. Well, there's also an aspect that, Hasn't been brought up that is probably going to reach ahead in a few years, near future, which is that influencers do not do not have the same rules applied to them that traditional broadcasters would. Uh, And I'm talking specifically about what's called the sponsorship identification rules by the FCC, which you can read on full if you go to FCC.gov. The idea here is and this applies Now, this applies to um, mainly what we call the more old school stuff, 
it does it does apply to people in our network, but it doesn't apply to a lot of podcasters. It doesn't apply to a lot of new media, and it doesn't apply to a lot of influencers because influencers for now are still starting out on their own to a to a great degree for now. I want to emphasize that because it's not going to be the case for long. But because of that, you can't really... It, you can't impose the same kind of strictures or requirements for sponsorship identification because then you would be telling people, it might not even be their official job, you'd be telling people uh, new to obey new rules about what qualifies as their freedom of speech. So it's a sticky thing because, as I always say, the legislation is going to be continually outpaced by the technology. And in totally. this case, it means things like this, just to finish, it means things like this are going to continue to happen. Oh, I 100% agree. And, and I mean, and also it becomes up to the influencer and they know the risk they're taking um, by maybe putting an ad in, in a format that isn't transparent. So I think a lot of uh, influencers will tag certain posts on social media as ad or like, you know, sponsored or whatever like that, just to make sure that folks know the difference. And I mean, we do the same thing, you guys, like we, we, we get, we get first right of refusal on any sponsor that, that, that are, is offered to us as a show. And I think we take it pretty seriously uh, in terms of stuff that we wouldn't feel like an alignment with us as people or with us as a show. And then, you know, we've uh, certainly, you know, get, uh, get flack, you know, when we, uh, when people don't agree with those decisions sometimes. So it's something that we're very acutely aware of, you know, yeah. Matt, well, I, just, I, I just want to put out there, like if, if we got approached by crypto eats, it is a cool idea. They've got a website. They've got a press release. They appear to have funding coming in. It looks legitimate on the front for any influencer that got hit by these guys. Um, I just, you know, I don't want to put the, I don't want to lay anything out on the influencers themselves who were paid cash, you know, money, dollars right. to right. make the, or, you know, in this case, pounds to make these promo videos for a seemingly real thing. And, uh, I think that's why I'm my initial reaction to it was like, wow, I'm impressed by the the grift here because mm -hmm. they were able to not only scam, uh, not only influencers to make videos on their content, but also, you know, people to actually invest their money in this thing. Um, yeah. And, and I, I can imagine myself saying, yeah, sure. Let's let's do a crypto eats ad. Uh, that sounds really cool and interesting. Sure. It's easy to feel like. It's easy to look at something like this from the outside or look at almost any con or grift and think, oh, not me. I would have figured it out. But grifts and cons are successful because they prey on the base impulses of people. Right. And as long as as long as those things happen um, or as long as those psychological traits exist, then grifts like this will be necessarily successful. I think it's fascinating. Um, it's fascinating the point you bring up, Matt, from the perspective of a lot of people. The checklist that would be considered due diligence is not very difficult to game, especially in this space, because it's not as if they were like, hey, we're starting a new mining interest. That would be a really common grift in 19th century America. Don't you want to get in on this gold mine? Now sure. there those those industries are subject to a lot more scrutiny. Uh, but this really isn't. So uh hopefully we're not making a supervillain by saying again how easy it is to do things like this. 
I, I would agree with everything you're saying. And I think maybe I was being a little hard on the influencers here. I think for me, it's the, the, the crypto investor aspect of it. You're not just telling people to try out a service. You're telling people they should invest in something, you know, that doesn't fully exist yet. So you are asking people to gamble you know, with their money. Uh, and you're pumping this up as like the wave of the future when all you really know about it is that it has a hat and a, and a t-shirt and like, you know, a party with some free finger food. Um, so I, I'm not trying to be too, I understand completely what you're saying, Matt. And I agree that I probably, especially being somewhat interested in, in, in crypto stuff would be you know intrigued and be like, Oh, sure. But I also think it's dangerous when you just like go out there and say, yeah, all my followers like check this thing out. It's so cool. Um, I love it. I'm not gaining anything from this. Cause that's bullshit. Because people that say they're not gaining anything from it are being disingenuous, you know, and that's what a lot of these influencers that made these videos said. So it's all yeah. depends on how you handle it. And of course, a lot of them have come back and apologized and, you know, are, are donating their fees to charity and things like that. So uh, more power to them for sure. But it, it, we are going to see more elaborate things like this. It reminds me of that movie, The Game, you know, where everything is just like so perfectly laid out that the illusion, I don't want to spoil the movie, but it's basically like, you know, everything is uh, so perfectly laid out that no one knows what's really going on. But um, yeah, I think with that, we'll take a quick sponsor break and then come back with some more strange news. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation blogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other. As Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer John Batiste. The all-new Infinity QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex...
National Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. And we have returned. Uh, Folks, earlier I alluded to the idea of secrecy, (laughs) the nature of it. Uh, And we are still very much a show that we have always been, which is critical thinking applied to things at the edge of conversation, conspiracy theories, the paranormal, allegations of psychic powers and UFOs, you name it. There is um, there is some stuff. I, 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 it's weird to start it this way, but the, for a couple of different reasons, I've been really deep recently into by far the most popular conspiracy theory in modern U.S. culture, which is uh, the theory surrounding the assassination of former President John F. Kennedy. This is... One of the most widely, not only uh, widely known conspiracy theories in U.S. culture, but it is by far and away one of the most widely accepted. A ton of people in the U.S. don't accept the official findings of the later investigations into the Kennedy assassination. And again, I can't say why I'm on this deep dive yet, but and the crazy thing about it is The more you look into it, the more it makes sense that people would have a problem with this. We're not saying we've nailed down whodunit, uh, but there are so many inconsistencies, discrepancies, questions left unanswered. I just recently learned that uh, in the wake of the assassination, Robert Kennedy, uh, very much off the record, sent a secret message to the leadership of the Soviets after the assassination saying, hey, we know it wasn't you. We think it was actually a right-wing conspiracy. And they never, they didn't say that in public. And, you know, not that Robert Kennedy had much of a chance to, because later he got killed by Sirhan Sirhan, uh, who is now in the parole process. So he might get out too. Anyway, the, one of the, re- yeah, I know, I know. Didn't see that one coming. It wasn't on the bingo card as they say, but uh, during, during all this, I was really attuned to whatever news might be breaking. And just recently the white house under the Biden administration, just this past Friday, as we record, said that they were going to yet again delay the release of long classified documents about the JFK assassination. Uh, President, current President Joe Biden wrote that the remaining files shall be, quote, withheld from full public disclosure until December 15th of next year, which will be nearly 60 years after the uh, Kennedy assassination. And the uh, the anniversary of that is is coming up. Uh, also, you know, this is a pattern we've seen across multiple administrations. The Obama administration said they would release files and then didn't. 
The Trump administration said they would release files. They released some, but they didn't release all of them. They kept holding back. So if you were someone like many, many people who believes there's something more to the story about JFK, this feels like a smoking gun of a sort. I wanted to set set up the quote that I think is the most interesting here uh, and then have you guys react to it and then let's talk through what it could mean. So in the statement from the White House, uh, current President Biden said, he said a lot of stuff, but he said the delay was, quote, necessary to protect against identifiable harm to the military defense, intelligence operations, law enforcement, or the conduct of foreign relations, and that this, quote, outweighs the public interest in immediate disclosure, end quote. What stands out for you there, guys? Oh, man, so much. I mean, just the idea of full public disclosure. Like, it's been so long. What could we possibly have to lose? Like, wait, 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 I just don't understand what could possibly be in there that would affect national security that isn't something super sketchy. I mean, George H.W. is still alive. Yeah. Right, mm-hmm. that's true. <laughs> mm-hmm. Ben, identifiable harm. Yes, Identifiable that's the one. harm. That's the one. Freaking so- George H.W. <laughs> so... Uh, we tried to get are Dana you, Carvey for this, but he couldn't make are it. Are you implying because he made the call? Is that is that the uh, conjecture here? Or he in some way ordered this or was involved? No, it's a shout out to the it's a shout out to the people who believe some variety of that idea. Uh, years on, George H. W. Bush still couldn't clearly remember where he was on that day in Dallas. That's always stood yeah. out. Um, it's no secret that he and some other, some other players, including Lyndon Johnson were in opposition with some of Kennedy's, Kennedy's ideas about how to proceed with Cuba, right. And with the threats of the cold war, but identifiable harm is really what stood out to me as well, because it can mean a couple, it can mean a couple things and they're not all necessarily sexy. Like the, the identifiable harm. As a phrase, it is so purposely vague. It could mean that, you know, like we're talking about with uh, intelligence agencies, maybe knowing a little bit more about crypto than they let on. This could be something that exposes um, an active flaw in a foreign intelligence apparatus. It could also, at the far end, mean that there was evidence pointing to someone on the inside being involved or having knowledge, maybe having knowledge and not taking it seriously. It could be seen as like casting aspersion on incompetence. Like what if, what if that theory that the secret service accidentally discharged firearms, what if that ends up being true? That's a real kick in the pants for a lot of people. Uh, But I, I still, I don't know. The one thing that got exaggerated about this was that the, the folks who made this suggestion that these files should, like the National Archivist who made the suggestion that these files shouldn't be released yet, they didn't blame a conspiracy. They didn't blame the Soviets or the mob or the CIA. They blamed COVID. They said, we need more time to review this because of COVID. That's that's their culprit. Um, and the current president agreed. I just want to point out that before COVID, multiple presidential administrations said the exact same thing. I, I, I'm just, I'm, 
I'm not saying we're in a fishery, but it sure smells fishy. And it mm-hmm. doesn't, like, what, what's going to be released anyway? I mean, it's going to be the black highlighters all over again. I don't think there's, I don't think there's some juicy thing that's going to come out and say, you know, like, here's an audio recording of Lyndon Johnson going, whew, all right, tight, good job, fellas. And like somebody in the mob going, all right, thanks, Mr. President. <laughs> I don't think there's anything like that, but but doesn't this just stoke the fires further? It does, man. And and it's because of that phrase that we, we talked about. Somebody knows the archivist and the people working around the archivist know that something really bad is in there. Really, like, not good. Um and we know that something not good is contained in those files. So it's so strange to me that we're in the situation where we all know that something's there. They just won't let it loose on the world because yeah. they somebody somebody really does fear that it's going to destabilize something. Yeah, um, I'm thinking about conversation. Uh, any, anyone who's not listening, we've been delving more and more, I think, on our own time uh, into Clubhouse a little bit, just kind of seeing what's going on there. Mm-hmm. There, I have heard uh, rumors, guys, that a member of the Kennedy family used to go on quite often, has like slowed down a little bit, but would consistently state that this person was aware of a conspiracy to kill John, a member of their family and George H.W. Bush had something to do with it. Mm. Um, uh, but anyway, I've just, that really piques my interest. Um, hmm. Yeah. Well, what if there, what if it's, uh, what if it's an attempt to hide proof of foreknowledge? So not necessarily conspiracy, but to hide incompetence. A lot of, Actual government conspiracies are somebody messing up and then somebody else trying to save face. So what if uh, the FBI and the CIA knew Oswald was sending signals and just didn't do anything because they thought he was Mm. he was a loon? Uh, We know that we know that intelligence in Mexico warned the U.S. that there was this they're like, hey, there's this crazy guy. He's walking around Mexico. He's telling people he's going to kill the president when he gets back to Dallas. And they did Jeez. get warning. We know that from, from Mexican intelligence. Uh, but in, I didn't think I would say this, but in fairness, how many warnings like that did they get? You know, like how many, how many warnings uh, do intelligence agencies receive every day regarding a president or a senator or a congressperson? Well, yeah. And like, I mean, on the one hand, you got to take them all seriously. But on the other hand, there has to be some protocol, you know, some base level protocol for how to handle them. And I'm sure that some uh, thing you, you always hear about, maybe, maybe only in like film, but it seems like it's potentially based on things that certainly could happen about uh, signs, signals that were missed. You know what I mean? Like, sure. like Intel that was dismissed in some way as is not credible, but then proves to have been very credible information. Yeah, there's there's the other question too. Like like it goes back to the the idea of how advantageous retrospect is because we're we're retrospect, we're on the outside. Some of us weren't alive when the assassination occurred and so it's easy for us to look in the past and say I could have I could have done a better job. I could have known. But 
I like, I really like the point you're making, Matt, which is why does it keep getting pushed back? What the hell is in there? Is it is it Dude. personally embarrassing to like a public figure? Is it just is it um is it exposing incompetence on an organizational institutional level? Is it is it proof of some other twist to the story? Like Jack Ruby was down with the mob. Everybody knows that, but they don't talk about it too much. And then yeah. there are other people who say this happened, you know, like 60 years ago. So who cares? You should care. Is the call to declassify this in the first place based around the fact that it's such a high profile event and there's such public interest? Because, I mean, surely there are things that stay classified forever and no one would be the wiser. You can go to the White House gov or just excuse me www.whitehouse.gov and you can read the official reporting ben we've we've been talking about the want for presidents like sitting presidents to reveal this information for a long time but they've always been held back by yeah. you know something that was compelling them to uh them and the archivist to withhold information <laughs> right they're they're fighting something from 1992 that's what mm-hmm. it is yeah. Mm-hmm. So I want to go back way further, guys. Yeah. I think this goes back to the business plot, Ben. Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. Prescott Bush. Mm-hmm. Prescott Smedley Bush. Smedley Butler trying to stage a coup. Didn't work out for him that time. And then he has a son, George H.W. Bush. He's hanging out in Texas. He's mm-hmm. not he's not yet a US representative. He doesn't get there until nineteen sixty seven. But he but will maybe get he had, there. Maybe he had an umbrella. Day but he's, he's <laughs> Prescott Bush's son. I don't know. It, yeah, I'm I'm hesitant with that stuff sometimes. Like I'm I'm real deep in the in the business plot right now for another unrelated thing. <laughs> but the 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 thing that gets that we have to be careful of is that when we're reading these to the and encountering them as though they are just stories, right? old tall tales what it's so tempting for humans to think of it in terms of like dynastic soap operatic stuff but in this case i would say that i am more tempted than usual to agree with you uh just uh knowing what we know about oswald doesn't look good uh knowing uh, again knowing about ruby knowing about the the various weird things that were going on with like for a time it was as if the soviet government was working with two different us governments who were often in opposition of one another which is a, a very common thing in congress now for sure but back then it was unusual and people realized it's not a good way to uh it's not a good way to govern a country I just, the thing is, so much stuff has already been released. What is keeping this last, last little dingleberry of secrecy from over half a century? What is, what is keeping them from just flushing that down the bowl of transparency? I don't understand. And it makes it look worse. Like the monster you don't see on screen is 10 times more frightening than the monster that you could see clearly depicted. Gotta protect those dynasties, Ben. Mm, I guess. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I, <laughs> well, look, I'm yeah. I'm having fun with the H.W. Mm-hmm. Bush thing. I just putting it out there. I don't necessarily believe that at all. I just uh, I think it is weird the way our world 
makes these coincidental things sometimes. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Green. And, and are they coincidence? Like my old professor said, uh, you have to prove to me that something is a coincidence. And this can be kind of <laughs> tough. So uh, at this point, we're going to pause for a word from our sponsor. Before we go, fellow conspiracy realists, I would love to hear your take on this. I know several of us are pretty deep into the um, <clears throat> the almost endless fractal that becomes JFK assassination research. So write to us with your take. What do you think's in the papers? Conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com or call directly 1-833-STDWYTK, assuming that the mob isn't outside right now. We'll be back. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zigazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Zigazoo is moderated by real live people who review content before it's posted on the feed. I especially love the dance challenges. So much fun. Oh, and there's no comments or messaging, so you don't get any of that negativity that's all over other social networks. All my friends love it. I love that it's kids-safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Uh, that's great, but I wouldn't be doing Zigazoo if it wasn't fun. She would not be doing it if I didn't think her data was safe. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! (laughs) Download the Zigazoo app today. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. And we're back. And we are jumping to Egypt. Egypt. 
for one of the stranger stories we've we've read recently it combines a lot of things that we've talked about i don't know if you remember but last week we talked about robot dogs and their big sniper rifles that they're going to have on their backs thanks to ghost robotics (laughs) well uh there's another fairly famous robot i think that would be the correct terminology that is run by an artificial intelligence, you know, as close to AI as we can get in this moment. And their name, its name is Ada, A-I-D-A. And some weird stuff went down when Ada took a trip to Egypt for a, for a scheduled thing. It was, it was on the books. Everything was above board, but some weird stuff happened. I'm going to read from the BBC title. Robot artist Ada released by Egyptian border guards. That's fun, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. So Ada, like I said, is is a robotic thing that is named after Ada Lovelace. It's a mathematician. And mm-hmm. she specifically is meant to create art, visual art. She has arms that move and she can manipulate and create art with. And that's all kinds of visual art. We're talking paintings, drawings, uh, even like carving things or shaping things out of clay, molding things, pretty incredible stuff. And she got held up by Egyptian authorities for 10 days as she was coming in, (laughs) as she was coming in and heading to the pyramids of Giza, the Great Pyramid specifically. Pretty interesting, right? You may think, why would the Egyptian authorities hold up a robot like this? Isn't it just another piece of luggage or something coming through? Or is it, you know, is the robot walking around? Well, in this case, it was inside a special container like you would send any other luggage, but it has pieces of equipment that were strange to the authorities, Mm -hmm. Um, specifically her eyes because Mm -hmm. they're cameras. And her Uh, her modem. And her modems. She has modems. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, and the authorities believe that this this was a spy infiltrating through the through the other luggage, just kind of hanging out. Yeah. Yeah. This is interesting. Um, if anybody wants to learn more about Ada Lovelace, um, we did a two part episode on her for Ridiculous History, where you can learn a little bit about why this groundbreaking robot is named after that groundbreaking researcher. But with with uh, actual ADA, AI-DA, uh, this should be familiar to anybody who tries to get uh, specialized AV equipment through an airport. Even domestically, <laughs> you can get hassled. Also, I do want to point out, I haven't seen this reported in a lot of stories, uh, Egypt has a a long history of being extremely paranoid when it comes to ideas of espionage. The whole Middle East, in fact, this is the home, this region is the home of um, the majority of animals as spies, accusations and conspiracies, right? They've, they've, captured uh they've captured animals that were just tagged for like biological research purposes and claimed that they were basically Mossad. So if there is a country that's going to be paranoid about it, it's probably going to be in in the Middle East or maybe Southeast Asia or of course the US, uh which is also notoriously paranoid. But the I, I gotta ask, Matt, um when when you're looking at this, when you're looking at this story, we know that the cameras and the modems specifically were the issue. 
but was there was there anything further that would have aroused suspicion from Egyptian authorities? Like I'm, I'm, I've looked at the art, I've looked at the the drawing and the the sculpture. Perhaps is maybe the most impressive to me, um, but but I have to ask what your sense is of this. Like why why was it ten days? They basically that's enough time to take the device apart. Yeah, I mean that that would be enough time to take it apart, I suppose, and put it back together if if you wanted to. I can't find anywhere where that occurred, or I, I don't see that reported where they actually took the entire thing apart and then put it back mm-hmm. together. But I must one can assume that at least parts of it were taken apart and reassembled. One of the creators who made this robot had, like has is quoted in the guardian and a couple of other places yes, specifically yeah. talking about the modems and the eyes and and how essential some of them are the modems he was saying yeah I can take those out but I can't like gouge your eyes out and then you know let you have them for a while she needs those uh, to see I'm confused why why like why are modems inherently problematic because cameras because if you're she transferring the wrong thing she could instantly upload it Mm-hmm. Well, it, one thing we haven't even really talked about that much. We said this robot was going to the pyramids. It was literally to display art at the pyramids for the first time in like 4,500 years that mm-hmm. there was going to be a, a showing of art at Giza, at the Pyramid of Giza. Forever is now is the name of the exhibition. Yes. And the sculpture you're talking about, Ben, that, oh my gosh, it's based on the riddle of the Sphinx. Mm-hmm. It's like uh, incredible to look at. If you read about this robot and its art, you can see that she's got these metallic hands that have electronics going throughout them, and they had to put a special substance on the hands in order for it to work with clay so it could actually mold the clay. And mm-hmm. what you see, like you said, Ben, it's crazy impressive. It looks creepy, oh, uh, the I wanted, sculpture. I wanted to say, Matt, we've got, I know this is, we talked about this off air, and I know this is something that that you were struggling with a little bit about anthropomorphization. Uh, yes. If, yeah. So if this if this helps, maybe uh, <laughs> if if this helps reassure you a bit. Uh, I don't know if you saw, but Ada is. I have to be careful how I say this. Ada is. Uh, well, it's tough to say cognizant. People get mad when you say that, but Ada is able to communicate with humans and the guardian. Uh, actually, I believe it was Mark Brown, the arts correspondent, had a conversation, an interview with Ada. And uh, I don't know if this will make you feel more comfortable or less comfortable, uh, but here is a, a response that Ada gave when asked if she enjoys art. So I don't know if this will help you on your journey here. Uh, Ada responded, I do not have feelings like humans do. However, I'm happy when people look at my work and they say, what is this? I enjoy being a person who makes people think. Okay. That's fine. Pretty, pretty <laughs> That's cool. fine. <laughs> a, little, a little creepy. Um, this is uh, neat, though. I mean, I don't know. Like, uh, it, it seems like, yeah, I, I guess I just don't quite still understand the... Uh, the security threat any more than like, you know, bringing cameras. I mean, oftentimes you can have cameras that have modems that have wireless modems that can upload things from memory cards directly to the cloud. Ooh. I just don't quite understand the, uh, the, it's just, it's very clearly a weird art robot, you know? Right. Um, it just seems like maybe there was a, 
language barrier or just some kind of like misunderstanding that led to it being so protracted, you know? I think part of it's the novelty and part of it's the, the prominence, uh, because it's not as if this um, mechanism, this entity, if you will, was going to be put into the halls of government, right? It's not in a room painting while people are debating the next step, uh, the next step in Middle Eastern negotiations. It's there to spread awareness of the abilities of what is often called AI. And AI, of course, uh, is controversial to some people prefer the term machine consciousness, but I, I I think you're right because there are there are web enabled cameras aplenty. People go through customs with their smartphones. How different is that, right? Right. Our smartphones can't really paint, but there's a cool. If you don't care about your privacy, there are cool apps like Deep Dream and services like that where you can see AI attempts at creating or embellishing things into art. Yeah, I think I think it's the I think really it's the novelty and the newness because Ada is if not the first of its kind, Ada is the newest iteration thereof. Um I I hope everybody gets a chance to read these excerpts from the <laughs> interview with Ada. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh it's like a much more Do you guys remember Cleverbot? Do you ever play with Cleverbot? Oh yeah. Yeah, it was one like a text input situation, yes. right? Where you could have a conversation. Mm-hmm. And then there was a, there, what was that Microsoft one that like, the one was, that went was on mo- Twitter and went dark it, in 24 hours? It became, became racist. Yeah, yeah it became like, a Nazi. Quickly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It became a Nazi yeah. with some very loose ideas about sexuality because it was based on what people in Twitter were saying to it. Yeah. Great idea. Great idea. Uh, I want to, I want to read a quote. A couple of quotes from the Guardian article where Aiden Mellar, M-E-L-L-A-R, the human, what they describe this person as the human force behind Ada. Mm-hmm. Uh, here are some quotes from Aiden. Uh, they say, she is an artist robot. Let's be really clear about this. She is not a spy. People fear robots. I understand that. But the whole situation is ironic because the goal of Ada was to highlight and warn of the abuse of technological development. And she's being held because she is technology. Ada would appreciate the irony, I think. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. and Aiden goes on to discuss just the powers of the supercomputer, of the extraordinary algorithms that run much of our uh, social lives right now, and just imagining that there's going to be a major disruption within the next, really, four to five years, somehow with technology and artificial intelligence. And Aiden says that Ada is literally trying to bring attention to that fact by being an artist and sharing what it does with the world. I mean, that's an incredibly important point. It's one that we've talked about a little bit before. If we take the problematic uh, analogy of raising children or, you know, when we're, we're talking about creating a new civilization, a new intelligence, then we have to think very carefully and mindfully about what those what what those minds are being created to focus on. The human species is strapping sniper rifles onto robot dogs, as you said, mm-hmm. Matt, and as we talked about last week. And this this is powerful because it's showing peaceful, thoughtful. I mean, all art is inherently a philosophy of one sort or another, right? That's one of the main definitions. So we're we're showing the ability of these, the precedence of these things. We're showing the potential of synthetic minds 
to do something more than destroy or more than just <laughs> loaded word here, but um, we're showing their ability to do more than just soullessly calculate weather patterns and do things that people once thought was only the provenance of their species. So I, I applaud it. And I think it should happen. I think it is a, a tiny bright light in a, in a vast thundercloud on the horizon because the first, the first like full machine consciousness, the first artificial intelligence right now is sadly almost certain to be created by a military. And like I, I had said earlier, you know, the idea of the, of the new child soldier. That's what's going to happen. It's just going to also happen to be brilliant, far beyond the capacity of uh, meat brains. So yeah, do art. Get them into art. Put all the AI in art school. Yeah, for sure. Get them those liberal arts degrees and see what happens. Roll, roll the dice. Maybe they'll all just play D&D together. Hmm. Well, I mean, you can also use AI and like algorithms to create generative music. You know, that's certainly something like Brian Eno has done a lot in um, some of his um, uh, installation works where he'll kind of build these. Uh, he's actually designed apps as well that'll do generative kind of music triggered visual patterns. Um, so it really is uh, an interesting space, you know, because remember for the longest time you'd hear people that didn't fully understand how electronic music was made and they just assumed that it was just computers doing all the work, you know, that kind of outdated notion or whatever well now that definitely certainly is a thing uh but it's you're you're feeding it some kind of um what's the word uh, parameters, you know, and then kind of setting it off on its on its path. And then a lot of video games use generative music too to create long dynamic stretches of like ambient, you know, textures. So certainly uh, we're going to see more of this kind of thing as it develops and gets sharper. Uh, do do I think, you know, computers are ever going to completely replace uh, the creativity of a human person? Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I hope not. Uh, I, think, I, think, I think it'll be different. Maybe it'll be a time where humans and uh, AI can collaborate. That'd be cool. Yeah, indeed. We also have to be careful not for this to be phrased as a threat. I mean, no creative industry mm. will be left untouched, ultimately. I've pitched already something that I almost regret growing public with, which is we're not far from a world Maybe not, maybe not in your lifetime, fellow conspiracy realists, but certainly in the next generations, uh, there's potential for a world where a, uh, a certain type of algorithm close enough to be called AI could take inputs from like two stories you like and then make an original mashup of those. You say, I want, I want something like, uh, <laughs> I want something like Stephen King's It, uh, but then I also want it to be The Matrix and I want Steve Buscemi to be in it. Uh, and then, you know, we just calculate it and we create that. So that's collaborative. But also, to be very clear, computer-generated podcast could become a thing even sooner because it's just audio. All you would need is voices that sound realistic enough uh, to not trigger Uncanny Valley responses. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Uncanny Valley, I was yes. hanging out on MSN watching this very short clip that they have of... Ada at the Great Pyramid of Giza after she got out of jail. Uh, just looking at the pyramids, and guys, it, it looks like she's really taking those pyramids in and contemplating them. I don't know. She it does just, have very <sighs> expressive camera eyes. I'm not going to lie. Um, you can really gaze right into those suckers. Well, she's and, uh, looking, it's quite, quite arresting. Oh, yeah. She's just gazing upon 
the past of humanity and imagining what the next thousand years will be like when she's the leader. No, I'm just joking. It is really cool. It is really cool to uh, to have that kind of bookend to history or to eras of history, lest I sound too nihilistic. Uh, maybe we can see what the, it makes you wonder what will be the next iteration. If Ada is the first of its kind to contemplate the pyramids, and if the pyramids are still around a few thousand years from, from today, what will be the thing that Ada marvels at when it sees something staring, something, no one's quoting Yates even on this. Mm -mm. What rough beast slouches toward Bethlehem? You know what I mean? Like this is, uh, this is a moment. This is a moment in history and it could be that we're making it overblown, but this is one of those things where it's got to feel pretty profound to realize you're alive during this time. You know what I mean? Stick around. (laughs) <laughs> see what else see what else is on the way we haven't even begun yet those mm-hmm. dogs with sniper rifles just became the next idea so yeah. uh here here we go here we go oh, and man. that's what well, they just had their first training day can't wait for the uh next next iteration of the airbud franchise uh, <sighs> and and with that we're handing the reins to you folks what's uh what's your What's your favorite crypto scam? Either your favorite idea that you're going to try. I'm kidding. Don't tell us that. Uh, or uh, what What do you think is actually in those JFK files? Is there anything of substance? If not, why do they keep getting pushed back? I mean, it's like Disney with copyrights at this point. You know what I mean? It's, it's jam tomorrow, never ever jam today. Uh, and what do you think the next step is uh, in the world of artificial intelligence, machine consciousness, and where? Do you believe human beings fit in? Interesting note about Ada Lovelace, by the way. She was not necessarily a big fan of AI. No. What was the quote? We should end with that. It's a really good one. Gosh. She said that the uh, she said the analytical engine is it was either the analytical engine or the difference machine is capable of performing tasks that it's assigned, but it is not capable of generating its own original ideas or operations. Yeah. That's right. I, I don't know if I would necessarily interpret that personally as her not being a fan of that. I just think she didn't think it was possible. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's true. Uh, she had an enormously prescient mind. She had a Hugely. great grasp of things to come. But um, yeah, you also have to wonder how she'd feel about the. No, you know what? This is what Ada Lovelace called poetical science. She would that's love right. Ada. Yeah, uh, she basically coined this term to describe the particular pursuit that she was drawn to, which was, I think, when she was a small child, she designed a flying machine, much like uh, something Leonardo da Vinci would have designed, only it was a unicorn. And I joke on the podcast that it's exactly the kind of creation uh, uh, that that both screams little girl growing up uh, and also massive, massive intellect and uh, prescient kind of foresight, you know? So share with us and your fellow listeners your prescient ideas. We try to be easy to find online. Also, if you want to send those JFK documents to us, go ahead, man. Shoot your shot. Oh, man, please do. Shoot those shots 
right at us on the internet, uh, where you can find us at the handle Conspiracy Stuff on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Uh, while you're on the internet, why don't you do us a solid and hop on over to your podcast platform of choice, preferably the uh, Apple Podcast uh, environment, where you can leave us a five-star review. It makes us feel good. It helps the algorithm. Um, speaking of those, uh, helps people discover the show who might not know it yet. Um, you can also find us on Instagram, where we're at Conspiracy Stuff Show. That's right. Crush that like button, hit subscribe. What are all the other YouTube things? Uh, <laughs> make sure you hit the bell so you get notified. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> we're on YouTube, too. You know this. Call us. Our number is 1-833-STDWYTK. You can leave a message. Please give yourself a cool nickname. You'll have three minutes to say whatever you'd like. And uh, if you've got too much to say, it won't fit in there. Please, instead, send us a good old-fashioned email address. We are conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Infinity Presents, a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. 